This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to Brewers on Tap. This is episode number 70 of the podcast. I'm Lane Grindle, your host. It's great to have you with us. This is our final off-season edition of the podcast. Of course, we'll be joining you from Phoenix very soon as the Cactus League will get underway. Very early this year, of course, uh, pitchers and catchers reporting in just a couple of weeks on February 14th. Well, Brewers on deck over the weekend, and we're going to get you caught up on a lot of the news and notes that came out of there. One that came out before Brewers on deck was the Brewers signing of right-handed pitcher Jabba Chamberlain to a minor league contract with an invite to Major League Spring Training. Chamberlain spent the first half of last season out of the American League champion Cleveland Indians bullpen. The former Yankee, Tiger, and Royal will look to try and get himself into the mix for the crew's remade bullpen this year. Chamberlain at one time was one of the top young arms in baseball, and he's looking to get back to that form at the age of 31. Some nuggets coming out of Brewers on deck over the weekend, and one of the most newsworthy ones was in regard to second baseman Scooter Jeanette, with Jonathan VR looking like he'll spend most of his time at second base this year. Jeanette may need to find some new ways into the lineup, and manager Craig Council believes we'll see the 27-year-old get a look in the outfield during spring training. I definitely anticipate outfield. I mean, I think that's where we're probably, he'll probably have to spend the most time working because it's the, the most different. I see the corner outfield positions and, and, and then the corner infield positions. I mean, you, you, well, you try the most you can and kind of see where we're at and without throwing, you know, completely too much at him. I think it makes spring a little different for him and a little exciting for him, and he's completely willing and up to the, the challenge of that. Um, and it'll make him more valuable. Jeanette has played just one inning in the outfield during his career. He played in right field for an inning in 2014. The rest of his time has been at second base. Also at Brewers on Deck, I asked Zach Davies and Chase Anderson about adjusting to new catchers in 2017. I think the biggest thing that DJ even stressed to us last year was communication between both pitchers and catchers. Um, you got to get to know both ways. It's not just catchers trying to know the pitcher, but it's pitchers got to know the catchers too. Um, so you guys got to get on the same page that way. Um, but uh, yeah, biggest thing, communicating with each other. Yeah, I think it's the same thing. And then, you know, each, each pitcher is a little bit different on how they like to approach the game. And, you know, some guys want, need you to set up on the corner of the plate. Some catchers want you to you want, you want to sit, set up a little farther off the plate. Just, they, have to, they have to really know who we are. And we have to really know who they are. So uh, they have a lot to learn, and we have a lot to learn about them. But uh, from what I've seen, I'm, I'm excited to throw to those guys. Of course, with Jonathan Lucroy and Martin Maldonado, now both in the AL West, it will be newcomer Jet Bandy, Andrew Susek, who's relatively new to the organization himself, and Manny Pena spending the majority of the time behind the dish and working with the pitchers in 2017. I had a chance to catch up with a bunch of names and faces at Brewers on deck, 
and it begins with a throwback. Back in against Mesa, who is working from the windup. The 0-1 pitch. Swings and there it is! A base hit in the right center! He's got it! 3,000 for Robin! Now let's brew up the past. Ah, yes, as we brew up the past, the Brewers recently announced a big-time brewing of the past with a celebration for the 35th anniversary of the 1982 AL pennant-winning Brewers. The celebration will culminate the weekend of July 14th through the 16th at Miller Park during the Phillies series, and names like Robin Yount, Gorman Thomas, and Pete Vukovic have all pledged to be in attendance along with Bud Selig and members of the Harvey Keene family. More details will be discussed as we move forward, but as the season continues, you can expect to hear more from prime players and moments during the 1982 championship season right here on this podcast. I had the chance to sit down with first baseman Cecil Cooper to catch up about it. The pitch to Cooper. part of that 82 team obviously that uh, is still so close to everybody's heart here in Milwaukee in general what did that season and that group of guys mean to you well it was a pretty magical season first of all and the guys we all seem to kind of grow together and, and I can go back through the names of some of those guys the Molitor and the Younts and Bando who came over and the Monies and the Augustines and Gantners and Charlie Moores and Gorman Thomas and Ben Ogilvy. We were together for a while, you know, and you kind of grow together and you kind of, we, we, we not only partied on the field, off the field, but we did a lot of things together. And I think we grew together and I think we also grew to kind of be the team from Milwaukee. All of the team, the city kind of took to us and we took to the city. Having a nickname, the Har- Harvey's Wallbangers, obviously, it's just a cool thing, like, almost like a marketing thing that just makes it take off even that much more with that affinity between the fan base and yourselves. Who are some of the unsung heroes of that team? Because there's a lot of headline grabbers in that group. No question, a lot of headline grabbers, but you could take people like Pete Ladd, who was a part of that, Don Sutton, who pitched late in the year four, came over, was very, very uh, instrumental in helping us. Uh, Marshall Edwards was a, an, an extra outfielder who helped us a lot. Don Money, you don't hear people talk about Don Money that much, but Don Money was a big part of that. Uh, we, you've got uh, Dwight Bernard, who was a big part of that. So there were a lot of guys who maybe didn't be, they weren't the Younts and the Coopers and the Malters and the Thomases, but they were still guys who, who pitched in and, and did their share. Coming over from Boston, what, what was it like to go from that clubhouse to the Brewers clubhouse? Well, there in Boston, uh, I was not the, what you call, centerpiece. Uh, we had uh, Fred Lynn, Jim Rice, Collier Skrimsky, Louis Aparicio, Louis Tien. We had some big-name guys there. And coming over, I had a chance to kind of like grow with the team a little bit and then become a little bit more of the focal point along with Paul and, and Robin. And, and that kind of meant more to me, I think, and I think it helped me grow up a little bit as a player. You uh, were a member of the All-Star team in 82 and uh, were able to go there with three other brewers. So I, that had to be fun for all of you guys to be able to go together. No question about it. I was thinking about that the other day when I saw uh, that the Golden State Warriors are going to have like four guys on on the All-Star team. I'm like, you know what? We had a whole bunch back then, too. We had the same thing. And it's a good feeling to know your buddy is going to be right there with you. Game 5, ALCS, the hit, one of the most famous hits in Brewers history. Uh, how many times have you relived that in your mind since the day it happened? 
I don't know, just just a lot of them. Um, almost every time I come to Wisconsin, somebody wants to talk about it. I go to fantasy camp, they want to talk about it. Uh, I get uh, fan mail from uh, different kids around the country, send letters wanting to talk about it, they want to ask me questions about it. It's just uh, uh, something that you know I think I'll forever be etched in my mind. I can kind of remember going through the sequence over and over and how fortunate I was to get a pitch to hit. Because, I mean, I had struggled early in the game, and then this guy really had me one and two. And I was kind of on my heels a little bit, and to be able to still come through and get a base hit, and I'll never forget that. What is it about this community that keeps you coming back and being a part of things like Brewers on Deck? Well, the fans are just outstanding. I think they're the best fans in baseball. And I always tell that story about how I was born as a Red Sox, but I grew up as a Brewer. And that's because the fans took to me and made me feel like a part of the team because they had a big star here, and I replaced him. And I always thought that that would be a negative for me, but it turned out to be a real positive for me. The fans really took to me, and not only me, but just to the entire team and and the guys that we played together with. Coop, we appreciate it. Yes, sir, my pleasure. Always good to get some time with Coop, and we thank him for being generous with his time at Brewers on Deck. The Brewers made a handful of moves over the offseason, and one of the biggest was acquiring third baseman, first baseman, Travis Shaw from the Boston Red Sox. I got a chance to catch up with him in our Clubhouse Conversation. Now for the Clubhouse Conversation. You gain a lot of confidence when you come up and you have success quite quickly. Um, so it, it's, it gives you the mindset of, I belong here and I can do it as long as I'm doing the things that I should be doing before and after starts. The, the last couple of days I've been coming out of the bench and the A9 inning and, and you know, get, get just one at bat and just don't, don't try to do too much, just put a good at bat. Um, whenever I hunch over, the, the top of my helmet will look into the first base dugout and it's hard to hit like that. And um, that's pretty much the only thing he's really, he's really noticed that I need to work on is stand tall in my upper body. Travis Shaw is our guest here from Brewers on Deck as we continue with the Brewers on Tap podcast. A new third baseman for the Brewers this year came over in the Tyler Thornburg trade um, during the, the winter meetings. Was it surprising to you when, when the call came and, and did it take you a second to recalibrate and then get yourself excited for the opportunity here in Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I've been traded. I think everybody says it's a shock at first, and it was to me. Um, took me kind of 48 hours to kind of just kind of take everything in, digest it, and then uh, after doing some research, I realized it was a pretty good opportunity for me right now in my career and uh, really looking forward to this year. Part of a team last year that won a ton of games, made it to the playoffs with the Red Sox. What did you learn through that experience, and what can you take from that and bring into this clubhouse that is fairly young? Obviously, you got veterans like Garza and Braun in this clubhouse, but for the most part, a very young clubhouse, and you were a part of a playoff push a year ago. Yeah, you're just – I learned a lot from kind of the high-profile guys, the David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroias, Hanley Ramirez, is those guys, and just what it takes to win every single day. And I went through a lot of ups and downs in the second half of the season, and uh, going through those downs will, will help me uh, later on in my career, especially this year, and just kind of learning the ends. Of, last year was the first year I've been in the big leagues, so first first full year in the big leagues I learned a lot, and uh, it's going to benefit me moving forward. Were you able to talk to Aaron Hill at all about his experience here after the deal was made? Yeah, I actually called him the day I got traded, and he had nothing but good things to say about Milwaukee. He said, I'll like it, great place to hit, and uh, he, he enjoyed his time here. So. 
Left-handed hitter, uh, you've had a lot of success, certainly a lot of power. How important was it for you that you're going to get a chance to see left-handed pitching here too, and you're not going to be in a situation where somebody tries to platoon you as much? Yeah, that's that's big for me, and uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right yeah. now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player, and uh, in 2015 when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job, and last year, I mean, it's a win-now approach, so they put the best lineup out on the field every single day. And I struggled a little bit against lefties last year, but uh, didn't really have consistent playing time against them. So uh, looking forward to getting some more consistent playing time here, and uh, hopefully that'll, that'll benefit me. Your ability to play first base, too, could really benefit you, not just, you know, because you're, you're in the National League now, too, so you just never know. Um, do you like playing first? I mean, I'm sure you probably prefer third, but you're, you're fine with playing first base, too? I actually prefer first. Really? Um, yeah, I consider myself a first baseman that plays third base, and uh, third base has helped my career. Uh, it's given me more opportunities, and the versatility is huge nowadays. And I can even be thrown out in the outfield if they need me to. Left field, I've played a few. I've played a couple games in left, um, but naturally, I would still say I'm a first baseman. And that's not to say I'm very comfortable at third too. But uh, first and third base are very, are very, very comfortable for me. Who are some of the guys as you've come up that have had a big influence on you that have, have stood out to you as guys that helped you mature as a baseball player to get to this point? Um, the guys that I've come up with, I mean, Mookie Betts, he was probably my closest friend with the Red Sox and just just his his ascendance into the big leagues and his success that he's had, is it's motivated me and I've been with him at every single level. And then getting to the big leagues, you have Dustin Pedroia, who's the best role model anybody could ask for. I mean, it's a guy making $100 million that plays like a rookie. And he, Dustin taught me a lot, how to bring it every single day, how to prepare. And that's something I'll, I'll never forget. Are you excited about the National League? I mean, we just mentioned that there's some different opportunities in terms of where you might play. Even within one one game, you might move around a little bit. Does that excite you? Yeah, it does. And even days that you're not in the lineup, there's a pretty good chance you're going to play that day, whether it's a pinch hit or defensive substitution late. So it's going to be a lot different. It's going to take a little bit to get used to, I'm sure. But uh, like, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Guys seem to really love to play for Craig Council. Have you had a chance to spend hardly really any time? Have you talked to him on the phone a little bit since the deal? Yeah, he actually he was in Florida a couple of weeks ago where I live, and we had lunch together, and his, his demeanor is just perfect. I mean, he seems like a player's manager, just do your thing, and you won't have an issue. And uh, Aaron Hill had raved about him. So even Dustin Pedroia raved about him. He hadn't played for him, but he knows him. And everybody I've talked to loves Craig Council, so I'm looking forward to it. You, th this event probably is kind of a nice event for guys that are new because you're getting a chance to meet some of the guys. Maybe you're familiar with some of them already, but this should help you maybe hit the ground running a little bit more at spring training. Have you gotten some of that out of this? Yeah. It's, you get comfortable with the guys. You kind of put some faces to get with, uh, with names, and that will help showing up in spring training. It won't all be new. And here in a couple of weeks when I go out there, it will be a little bit easier. Travis, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yep, thank you. As you heard Shaw say, Brewers on Deck served as a nice way to start getting familiar with his other new teammates, something Eric Thames, another newcomer, echoed throughout the day at the event also. Checking in on the farm. MLB Pipeline Top 100 prospects were released over the weekend, and the Brewers' farm system is well represented. Five total prospects found their way onto the list, and that's among the best in Major League Baseball, as outfielder Lewis Brinson came in at number 18. 
Outfielder Corey Ray at number 30. Left-handed pitcher Josh Hader was at number 38. And a side note on Hader, he was also deemed the top left-handed pitching prospect in baseball and was given the best slider among tools to go along with that as well. Right-handed pitcher Luis Ortiz came in at number 62, and shortstop second baseman Isan Diaz came in at number 65. Another name that's almost certainly to be among the Brewers' top 30 prospects in 2017, when that list comes out, will be one of the newer prospects in the Brewers' system, in outfielder Ryan Cordell. And I got a chance to meet him for the first time at Brewers on Deck. This was an interesting path to get to Milwaukee, obviously, for you. Uh, in the Rangers system last year, and you were the player to be named later in the deal that sent Jonathan Lucroy and Jeremy Jeffress to Texas. What's it like to be in that role where, you know, you go through the rest of the year, you you don't necessarily know that you're even a possibility to be that guy, and then the season ends and, and you get sent to Milwaukee? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting uh, turn of events that all kind of happened once the trade deadline happened because the next day I sprained my ankle, so I didn't play the rest of the year, and I think that had a little bit to do with, you know, when that was named, um, you know, the player to be named later. And so there were a lot of things going on. And, um, you know, I was just focused on trying to get healthy. So I wasn't even really thinking about that. And, you know, the last day of the season comes and uh, I get called in the office and told that I'm the player to be named later. And, you know, I should have seen some signs that that might be uh, might be the case. But uh, but I, I just I didn't even really think about it. So it was a little bit of a shock at first, you know, but um once, you know, I got a guy like Lewis who's in the, who's been, you know, in the organization for a month at that point. Um, so, I, you know, I called him right away and just, you know, talked to him a little bit. And he had nothing but good things to say about the Brewers. And, uh, you know, my dad's from this area. Um, and, uh, you know, so I have some family roots here in, uh, in the Milwaukee area. So I was just excited for the opportunity, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Where was your dad from? He's from uh, Milton. He, he actually grew up in Chicago and then uh, in high school moved to Milton. And um, he, he still has a lot of family out in this area. So um, I came back my sophomore year of high school with him, and we took a trip out here and uh, got to go to a Brewers game and see his hometown. So I had a little bit of a taste uh, of, of Milwaukee, but it's been fun being here at FanFest and you know, getting to be downtown, uh, you know, hang out with some of the guys and, and meet some of the fans. You just talked about maybe there were some signs when, when there is a player to be named later, do you guys talk about that stuff in, in the clubhouse? Or I mean, the, the, the percentages aren't great that it's going to be used, so I can't imagine it dominates the conversation. Yeah, you know, I, we don't talk about it a whole lot because you're just trying to focus on the day in and day out of, of playing ball. Um, but, you know, it does come up here and there in conversations, especially towards the end of the year, just guys trying to speculate who it might be. And so, you know, of course, there was a, there was a little bit of that that was going on. But, um, you know, I didn't even really just d- didn't try and focus on that, just tried to focus on uh, getting healthy and, and doing what I had to do to, to be ready to play. So One of the things that stood out to me when, when looking at, at your ascension to where you're at right now is it seems like the longer you're at a level, the better you seem to perform. Like once you make the adjustment, it seems like you really take off. What's What do you attribute that to? Um, I think just hard work. You know, I, I try and I try and uh, always put in the hard work and, and never be satisfied. And so there you're going to go through those struggles when you, uh, you know, move up levels. But if you take the right approach and, and don't uh, get down on yourself, um, but just take the approach that, hey, I'm going to get there. Let's just try and get, you know, get there uh, as quick as I can and just kind of take that day in uh, and day out focus um, so that's just kind of what I what I try and do and I think that's um, part of uh, 
some of the success that I've had. You've played some infield, but primarily an outfielder. Is that where you see your future, and have you had that, those types of conversations with the organization? You know, I really haven't even had those conversations. Um, uh, I haven't been told anything about playing the infield, but, um, you know, who knows if I show up to spring and, and that's something that they have in mind for me, then I'll just uh, take on that challenge and, um, you know, whatever they need me to do, I'll, I'll be willing to do. Was it exciting to you when you started looking at this organization and the youth and kind of what they're trying to do for the opportunity that was in front of you? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's cool to be a part of a uh, an organization that's um, building and, and trying to get better and, uh you know, you always want to be a part of, of something starting um, uh, starting there. And, and so um, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity. Um, I, everybody I've met in the organization has been uh, great to me so far, and um, I'm just uh, really excited. Ryan, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great insight into his dad's roots being right here in Wisconsin. The Brewers also announced their MILB coaching staffs in 2017, and they look relatively similar to what they were like in 2016. Rick Sweet will once again manage Colorado Springs. Mike Guerrero in Biloxi. Joe Aralt with the Carolina Mudcats. Matt Erickson is in Wisconsin with the Timber Rattlers. Nestor Corridor in Helena. One change in roving hitting instructor. That's Kenny Graham now is going to be manning that position as he takes over for Jeremy Reed, who was in that spot a year ago. Here's what's on tap. Plenty of stuff coming up in 2017, and most of you don't know what you're going to do next weekend yet, so much less do you know what you're going to do six months from now. But the Brewers have created the all-new Flex 10-pack. Not only does it let you customize your ticket plan by selecting the 10 games you want to see, it also gives you the flexibility to pick up those games uh, at any time over the course of the season. So if you want to lock in all 10 games up front, you can do that. Or if you want to wait, choose your games during the year, even up to the day of the game, you can also do that too. Or you can do a combo of the two and pick some now and maybe some a little bit later on. Very flexible. It's all about you when you're picking out of your Flex 10-pack. Plus, you'll enjoy all the awesome benefits of being a Brewers 10-pack holder. It includes seating priority, a dedicated account executive, and of course, opening day as your free 11th game. That might be the best part about it of all. Plans start at just $16 per ticket. For details, call 414-902-HITS. That's 414-902-4487 or visit brewers.com slash 10packs. And we also are uh, very excited about the news that came out yesterday, and that's the theme nights that will go on sale here now. You wanted more theme nights, and you're going to get more theme nights. Uh, a vengeance, back with a vengeance this year for theme nights. It includes superheroes, Jedi, Grateful Dead, Charlie Brown. Here's a couple of the dates and what you're going to want to look forward to. April 22nd, Beatles Tribute Night, post-game laser show plus a Beatles t-shirt. May 13th, Star Wars Day. June 3rd, Marvel Superheroes Day, presented by Quick Trip, Iron Man Bobblehead. How about that? June 6th, Bark at the Park. June 16th, Peanuts Night. June 17th, Faith Night. Post-game concert by Mercy Me that night. August 2nd, Hello Kitty night. August 9th, Grateful Dead Tribute night. And September 2nd will be Coaches versus Cancer night. Craig Council, Purple Sneakers, Mini Bobblehead. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some fun, fun nights at the ballpark in 2017. And those are just the highlights. Go to Brewers.com slash theme nights to see the complete list of all the 2017 Brewers theme nights. They go on sale this Friday, February 3rd, and are available at brewers.com slash 
theme nights. Well, that is going to do it for me and this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. Thanks for stopping by and hanging out with us over the last 25 minutes or so. My thanks to our guests on the program here today, Cecil Cooper, Travis Shaw, and Ryan Cordell. We'll talk to you from spring training in just a couple of weeks, everyone. Have a good one. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team.